Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. With a fresh new song MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good afternoon everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network And MJ Network is, is welcoming Dr. Jeffrey Jacobson and we're waiting for him to call in, and I can't stand the fact that there's an echo on this phone. Again, let me see if I can talk on my cell phone. It's better. Okay. Dr. Jacobson is going to talk about trigger finger, and we're going to talk about the causes of trigger finger. This is not going to work. What exactly is trigger finger? What is the cause of a trigger finger? We're going to talk about um, trigger finger, which is permanent. How do you treat trigger finger? What happens if trigger finger is not treated? And the differences between the different types of treatments that you can get before surgery. So we're just waiting for Dr. Jacobson to call in. Um, For those of you that don't know, for next week, on the 14th, we're going to have uh, Marilyn Levinson, Dewey Decimated. On the 19th, the author of In the Middle. On the 22nd, uh, The Grand Game, Tim Ahrens. On the 28th, New York Times author, Lee Matthew Goldberg, with uh, Immoral Origins. And on the 29th, Death in the Alley. On the 3rd, Dr. George Cavuto and I are going to talk about uh, how children learn to read language and how they acquire language. And I'm still waiting for Dr. Jacobson to call in um, to the station. I just hope he gets here really soon. The originally was supposed to be 1.15, but my timer decided to do 1 o'clock instead. And there's nothing I could do about it. So let me give you some hints about what is a trigger finger, which I happen to have one on my left hand in the middle. A trigger finger is essentially a swollen tendon along the palm side of the finger that causes pain and prevents the finger from bending and straightening smoothly and prevents the finger from bending and straightening smoothly normally. The tendons that bend or flex the fingers pass through a tunnel, pass through little loops to tissue called the pulleys. This is a belt passing through the belt loops on a pair of pants. When the tendon is swollen, like my finger, it does not pass smoothly through the loops. In an early stage of trigger finger, there may be just a little pain in the finger. (laughs) Mine is a lot worse than that. So I'm just hoping that Dr. Jacobson calls in very shortly, or I don't know what we're going to have to do with the show. Um, I just emailed him again. And I'm hoping that he can call in right now, because otherwise I'm going to be talking to myself again. Okay, um, I have a title okay, for my next book, and it's called Felony Island. And it's about this man that's paid to take care of buried bodies in the cemetery on unmarked graves. 
And we're just trying to figure out there's new people that are coming to live on this island, this sentence, to live in Felony Island instead of going to prison. And this man, Drake, is the man in charge, and he's going to take care of the next person in the last grave. And I'm hoping Dr. Jacobson gets here, too. Okay, we have what is the cause of trigger finger, and what happens if it's not treated? Well, occasionally, the size mismatch between the swollen tendon and the tight tunnel can prevent any motion and cause the finger to become locked. Yep, I know that. This is like trying to pass a belt buckle through the belt loops on your pants. In a locked trigger finger, the finger will no longer bend or straighten. Tell me about it. Once the stage is reached, the surgery is usually needed and recommended to restore the motion. So he should be here by now. It's almost 1.15, and I hope he gets here. Um, there are other causes of trigger finger, and there are many other things that Dr. Jacobson and I probably will hit on as soon as he calls in, I hope very soon. Um like I said, Dr. Dr. George Cavuto and I are going to be talking about language on um, October 6th. We have another show. And on the 10th, uh, New York Times author, R.G. Belsky, uh, we're going to talk about, oh, hold on a second, here we go. And he is here. Hi, my timer is off on the I phone. I don't know why. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, I can a little bit. I I don't know what's going That's on. That's weird. Uh, I have it on high volume. Oh, can you again. hear me now? There we go. Can you hear me now? <laughs> oh, yes. Now I can hear. Yes. Now yeah, I'm I glad I don't have very, an echo. Very, very well. No, my, my, my phone had an echo on the show on Monday. I thought I was going to lose my mind. <clears throat> and I was just, you know, sort of triggering myself here. <laughs> So we're going to talk about trigger finger, and what would you like to talk about about trigger finger? And tell it to my left hand in the middle finger that's triggering all over the place. Well, I don't care. Fair enough. Um, well, trigger finger is really a form of tendonitis more than anything else. It's mm. a condition where your finger normally makes a nice fluid motion as it comes down into a fist and goes out nice and straight, but instead it gets caught and it it can, as it's starting to extend, it can sort of snap outward. And like people say, when you depress the trigger of a gun, the hammer kind of goes all of a sudden. That's where it gets its mm. name. It's not only the index finger of your dominant hand, but once it goes, it kind of pops out. So why that happens is inflammation. It's just getting caught right in the right spot. Yeah, I know. When my finger gets caught, I just say hi, leave me alone. It it's crazy. <laughs> so what parts? It, it's 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 annoying. I know. So what parts of the finger are affected in this particular case? And speaking of tendonitis, I'll add that in in a few minutes because that's another good topic to talk about. Um, sure. Um, so how this comes about is. All the tendon, all the fingers have uh, tendons that make them flex down, like when they come into the, into a fist. The index, the middle, the ring, and the small finger have two tendons, and the thumb has one. But each time those tendons go out onto the finger, they go into a little tunnel called the flexor mm -hmm. tendon sheath. And that flexor tendon sheath 
like all tunnels, has an opening. That opening is around the end of the palm that's furthest away from your wrist at the base of the finger, and that's where people tend to feel the triggering, the catching, and sometimes they feel pain. And what it is is that tendonitis, that inflammation, like anything that gets inflamed, it gets swollen. Well, when something gets swollen as it's trying to squeeze into a tunnel, you can imagine it doesn't fit as well as it used to. And that mm. sort of squeezing into the tunnel is the triggering. That, that's hard. So what happens, how will you treat that besides surgery? So surgery for these is rarely ever the best first choice. Um, Mm-hmm. The best thing to do, if it's just happened and it's very subtle, sometimes, mm-hmm. and I mean sometimes, only sometimes, mm-hmm. some rest, <laughs> some, you know, either ibuprofen or a leave, uh, and a little bit of hope can get you just uninflamed enough that it stops bumping into it as it's trying to squeeze in the tunnel, and your body does the rest. That's a very rare outcome. But if you've had a trigger finger for like two days, that's reasonable. But once you've had a trigger finger for weeks to months to some people even years, that mm-hmm. ship has sailed. So you either need something that's going to make it really get uninflamed or you need to make it stop hitting the, the sheath as it goes in. And those are the two mainstays of treatment. So the thing that makes it get uninflamed is cortisone. And that's, the main, that's really the mainstay of treatment for trigger. So we give people a cortisone shot right into that tendon sheath. We put the needle tip just where it has to go, and we put a little bit of cortisone, and that cortisone makes everything right next to it get uninflamed. doesn't really do much for the rest of the body because it's such a small amount, but right in the area where we put it, it's very potent. So if we can make the tendon get less swollen and the tendon sheath get less swollen, mm. sometimes they stop having that size mismatch and they just glide normally again. Well, my, the problem is, is what happens if you decide that you don't want it, you know, you don't want to go, go the, you have the cortisone shots, you know, two of them, whatever, even three, um, and you decide that you don't want to do the surgery. How do you deal with it? There really isn't a good answer for that, that we have a solution <laughs> for this problem. And, I, and I, I should back up and say trigger fingers are incredibly treatable. I mean, this is something that we cure. This isn't something that, you know, like arthritis, we help you live with. And like, trigger fingers, if mm-hmm. you go see a hand surgeon and you have a trigger finger, when you're done seeing that hand surgeon, you will not have triggering anymore. We can fix this. <laughs> but sometimes if the cortisone shot isn't enough, the next step is a really small surgical procedure. But there isn't anything in between. That's really bad. I know. Um, I know. I had the trigger finger you did on my right hand, which is lovely. It's my left hand that doesn't love me anymore. So does it cause tingling? And what happens if it, it gets stuck and you can't? It doesn't cause tingling. So what happens if it gets stuck and you can't straighten it out and you want to yell at your finger? So... Uh, first, it's it's probably not likely that the finger is going to listen if you yell at it, but if it makes you <laughs> feel better, you can. Um, the, you know, a hand surgeon knows how 
how to sort of bend your finger in a way where we can usually get it to release. I've never had one mm-hmm. where I where I couldn't, but they do exist. They're just mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly uncommon. Um, usually if you flex the finger at the knuckle that's closest to your hand, what we call the MP joint, the one where your finger meets your hand, if you flex mm-hmm. it there, you can usually straighten the rest of the finger and then straighten the whole finger. If you do it in that order and you kind of isolate the joints like that, you can usually get the finger to sort of pop out. It doesn't feel good. But if you're at that point where you have that level of triggering, you either need a cortisone shot or if you've used up your cortisone shots, you need a quick surgical procedure. I mean, these procedures are five to ten minutes long, and they work. And they, the fingers don't trigger. They work well afterwards. There's really, you know, there, there's really no need to torture yourself with what's an unpleasant problem when the solution is so readily available. It's not even that. It's just um, with what's going on in the world today, I hesitate to go into a hospital. That's why. So that's that's my that's my thing. I, I know the operation doesn't take more, very very long, and I, I know it's not too bad afterwards. Of course, my hand won't like me, but that's beside the point. But which it just bothers me to go into a hospital at this point with the pandemic. I never know, you know, which ones you have to worry about and which ones you don't. I mean, even going, um, you know, for a pain shot, uh, I don't go to ER because they take COVID, and you don't know who's going to be right next to you in the next room. You got to be careful. So, how do you deal with that that issue? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, you know, one. It, depending on what triggering and which finger and how the characteristics are, mm-hmm. um, sometimes there's a way to relieve it with a surgical procedure that we can do in the office. It doesn't that sounds good. Have the same, <laughs> it doesn't, it's, we, we can talk about that. It doesn't have the same yeah. cure rate. There's a little more recurrence rate, but it can be done right in the office. Um, the other option is, you know, these can be done in different settings. Some some practices are set up to do the open surgical procedure in the office. Sometimes it's in a surgery mm-hmm. center. Sometimes it's in a procedure suite. Sometimes it's in mm-hmm. a hospital, or sometimes the hospital owns the surgery center. I mean, there's there's a almost infinite number of ways to figure out where you're going to get it. But here's the interesting thing. This is a surgery that you don't, you know, people hear surgery, they assume they're going to sleep, they're getting general anesthesia. This yeah, is not I know. that. This this can be done with you awake. Well, here's the interesting thing. If you're awake, you can wear an N95 mask. You can leave it on the whole time. So yeah, I know. That's one thing. It's annoying, though. Another thing about hospital surgery centers, it is. I, I agree. Another thing mm-hmm. about hospital surgery centers is they're very, you know, the, like, for example, where I operate, every single person gets a COVID test within 72 hours of showing up. And oh, that's good. What's currently going on, I mean, when I go to the grocery store, those people have not had a COVID test within 72 hours. Uh, when I go to, you know, pick my kids up from school, some, someone there, I mean, frankly, the children at school. So the, the risk of COVID is real. And, I mean, taking COVID seriously is very important. But, you know, the risk of COVID at a place where every single person has had a COVID test within 72 hours 
is on the lower side. It's probably one of the safer places to be in the middle of a pandemic. And to that effect, I have not had a single patient throughout the entire pandemic who went in for a procedure and came out and had COVID. And that speaks volumes to the infection control measures that, you know, all of the facilities around here put up. They did a great job. They did because they didn't do a great job in Florida where my niece works. I know that. She got it. And she claimed that they didn't have COVID in the hospital. And they said, oh, God, why? That bothers me. But if you were to do the procedure in your office, which sounds lovely, how would that work? Because that I would give a try. So it depends. Um, if it's you not have, that bad, my uh, finger. I can move it. I can move it. <laughs> yeah. For me, the criteria for doing it is, and it's which finger for you? It's the one that helps you flip the bird. It's the middle finger the on middle my finger. left hand. All right. As a matter of fact, when I get so, when I get a Toradol shot, it gets it gets a little bit better. But I can I can yeah. you know move. I can't bend it all the way. It just doesn't like me anymore. What am I going to do? <laughs> so uh, the uh, when you look at your four fingers, your index, your middle, your ring, and your small finger, there's two on the outside, the index and the small finger, and there's two on the inside, mm-hmm. the middle and the ring. The middle and the ring fingers are what we call non-border digits, and the index and the small finger are border digits. For non-border digits that have triggering every time you flex, every time you move it down, it's going to go thump and make that click, and then you straighten it, it's going to make the thump. When you have that criteria met, for those, I will try uh, a percutaneous release, which is where we numb you, and we make a tiny mm-hmm. little nick with a needle and mm-hmm. actually use the needle as a blade to open up that pulley. And it works well if you have the right patient. So if it's not triggering every time, you won't know if you got it all. And if it's, you know, a non-border digit, you have more risk. But that's definitely something you can come and be evaluated for, for sure. And, you know, that's a nice, that, that's a nice compromise. But I would caution you and, you know, anyone listening, if you have mm-hmm. a problem that has a very quick definitive solution, yeah, I know. the fear of COVID or the fear of a couple stitches, those are real fears. They're valid. And I won't take that away from anyone. But mm-hmm. this is one where if you put those things on balance, living with this for the rest of your life is not a good answer. And the potential for having a permanently stiff finger or rupturing a tendon or something just awful mm. because of that fear that's valid but very small, it, it's, really hard to, it's really hard from where I sit to watch that because I just know what a bad decision that is for people. No, I know. You did that other procedure. I think you did it on my thumb, on my right hand a while ago. I'm pretty sure you did. That you're stuck in. I don't know what it the, was. All I know is that my finger doesn't trigger anymore on my right, my thumb anymore. Well, I, I wouldn't do a percutaneous release on a thumb. I don't know. You did something on my because thumb the, that worked. <laughs> I know that. Well, that could have been a cortisone shot. So cortisone shots for this often are curative. So mm. there are plenty of people who get one or two cortisone shots, and this problem goes away forever for the rest of their lives. No, that, and that's 
That's a great. I mean, that that's just a great deal. It is. I had two on my middle finger, and unfortunately, the weird thing happened on the second cortisone shot. I had a bad reaction, and what I gathered was. Um, from another doctor, they said that instead of putting lidocaine, they might have put adrenaline in the cortisone shot because I had heart palpitations and I never had a reaction to cortisone before. That was really weird. Hmm. My face flushed, yeah, and then I had, uh, and I called the doctor's office, I won't say who, and instead of having the doctor get on the phone, they said, go to the ER because you're probably going to be have a heart attack. I go, no, I don't think so. Um it was just a reaction to the cortisone shot that I never had, and they, I just got heart palpitations, and I said, that's rare, isn't that, that that would happen? That's, that doesn't sound right. Uh, extremely. Uh, I've, I have not heard of yeah. that. If you mix it with lidocaine that has epinephrine in it, then that could be. But even then, I mean, the volume, yeah, of, I can't have, yeah. the volume of this is, is tiny. But the, you know, just from cortisone, that, that, I've not heard of that before. Yeah, that, that was the first, but it's possible he put epinephrine in, and I said not to because even when I get, well, I don't I don't even get Novocaine when I get a cavity filled. And if I do, they can't put epinephrine in it for whatever reason. So My goodness. What happened after the surgery, what, what, is the, uh, what is the course of action after somebody has surgery? They have to go for physical therapy, right? Only sometimes. It depends on, you know, it, it depends on what people do. Some people, I send mm-hmm. them preemptively to a few sessions of therapy because it just helps them learn how to do it themselves. Uh, the odds that people need, like, long, long physical therapy are very low. And a lot of times people just, they just move their finger and they're good to go. That, that, that is amazing because I remember you told me, and I was able to type my book reviews the next day. Yep, and, 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 the good part, uh, and the good part was that the lidocaine didn't wear off, so I didn't feel any pain. My finger decided it was going to keep the numbness, which was very good, which is really great. That's a, so, that's a nice lesson. What are some, that was a nice lesson. <laughs> so what are, what are the precautions that you have to take after surgery? So I remember I had to keep my hand above my heart for three days. That I remember, literally. So... Yeah, and that's actually really helpful. It's less of a precaution and more of any time you have anything happen to your hand, hands just swell up, and lots Mm -hmm. of things swell up. But if you have a swollen forehead, your forehead doesn't have all these little moving parts, but your hand does. So you really want to avoid swelling in your hand if you can help it. So keeping that hand elevated very strictly for 72 hours helps tremendously. It's hard to overstate. So that's something I do tell people to do. Um, in terms of other precautions, most of it is really just don't, you know, don't rip out your stitches, don't tear the wound open. And that wound, even though it's too small, it's about a centimeter, it has three little stitches in it. You know, you don't want to rip it open. That's about it. You shouldn't go swimming, you know, little things like that. But there isn't much else. People return to normal stuff in a matter of a couple to a few weeks. Yeah, it does. My hand, my right hand does, but my left hand, like I said, still having a word with me. They don't, that doesn't love me, but it'll get over it, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. It, it doesn't, well, we, you know, we can help with that. Lot. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of medicine. Yeah. I know. We're going to have to do something eventually, I guess, right? So what other things do people have to know if they get trigger finger? 
what other things what other things do they have to remember um if you get it and what happens if somebody really doesn't know what it is but they're not sure oh my fingers well, like this it's bothering me step 1 is if your finger is doing something strange like locking and popping every time you're moving you should see a hand surgeon i mean that that's that's really the the most important advice i can give a hand surgeon will know what this is in a heartbeat this is something we deal with very, very commonly. Um, I don't think there's a day I go to the office and see patients and someone doesn't have a trigger finger. It's that common. So you want to get it treated. The other thing is you want to get it treated early. So mm. the, there's always a little heartbreak for me when I see a patient and they say, it's been triggering, I say, for how long? And they say, oh, seven, eight months. And I, I just sit there and think, oh, I wish you'd come seven months ago. That would have been great. Um, the odds that a cortisone shot will help you go down over time. The longer it's mm. there, the harder it is for a cortisone shot to make it go away. Um, other things to know are that sometimes it's associated with other medical conditions. The most mm. common is diabetes. So people who are diabetic get trigger fingers far more common than the general population. Also, some medications can do this. Some of the Hormone, uh, the, the hormonal treatments for breast cancer um, lead to increased ra- rates of trigger finger. But like I said, these are problems. You know, if you have diabetes, a trigger finger is the least of your mm-hmm. problems. We can fix this. We can't cure diabetes, or at least I certainly can't. But I can cure trigger finger. So go see someone, fix it, get the problem fixed, and don't think about it anymore. Well, when I got diagnosed with the one on my ring finger on my left hand, the the cortisone shots worked. And then the one in the middle finger, the cortisone shots didn't work, so the person had the physical therapist make me a splint. And I took the splint, and I hesitated, and I said, this was the most uncomfortable thing. It made it worse. I just don't think it was the right splint. So I said, can I come back and have it redone? And this particular doctor said the splint should make your trigger finger go away. Obviously, I, it didn't. And then when I went back again to get the second cortisone shot, the person said, well, um, maybe we'll make you a splint or we'll see surgery. I don't know. That didn't help, did it? So why, wouldn't well, it, why, would, a, why would a doctor suggest a splint? Which is okay with me too, but from what you're gathering, it's not going to work. So a splint is not, it's not a bad idea. It's just a low probability yeah. idea. And this, is, this mm-hmm. is more of a philosophical question. So what are the odds a splint will make it go away? The answer is low, but not, it's not zero. Sometimes it will help. Mm-hmm. The question mm-hmm. I ask is, if this thing that you yourself just said is incredibly annoying, you didn't find it comfortable, and it has a low chance of making you better, I don't typically go to a splint unless someone says, you know, this happened yesterday for the first time. You know, if it's mm. something like that where the odds that if you just rest it really you got some chance, then that's about the only time I think that's, that's helpful. But most patients say it's been here four or five weeks, three, four weeks, whatever it is. And at that point, I don't like to subject them to a splint for some, when it's very unlikely to work. Now, if the patient really wants a splint, 
I'm happy to go that route because really this is, you know, all of medicine is sort of finding the best way for your patient mm-hmm. to get more comfortable or, or better. But it, it's not what I would do for my finger. And the other reason is because cortisone shots are very effective and surgery mm-hmm. is extremely effective. So rather than wearing a splint that interferes with your hand function for some long period of time and growing to dislike it, I, I tend to skip that for this. But it's not wrong. It's just a matter of style. The splint was like this metal thing. Usually I've had splints mm-hmm. before where they gave me a splint for my finger. It was like a glove sort of thing. This was, um, and they did the same thing uh, for my right hand. They did um, a splint that was like um, a glove kind of thing. This splint looked like a metal, like a, like a fence, like a metal, like it was a piece of metal that I put my hand through the glove, and it was like metal I was had my hand on. And I said, this is so uncomfortable. Why can't I have the other kind of splint? And this is what this phys- particular physical therapist made. It was a disaster. No, I, I mean, I can't really speak to that, but it, it, sounds like, it sounds like you don't like the splint, and you, you've made me more comfortable that my approach is a good one. Yeah, I, I didn't like this particular splint. The one that was made for my right hand was fine. It was like a glove kind of thing. And the one for my other finger, my left hand, was like a glove too. But this looked like um, a metal pole that you stuck your hand on. <laughs> I don't know why. So let's continue my next set of questions. Um, so what actually happens uh, if if a person decides that they, they don't really want to do uh, surgery or whatever, and they want to do the procedure in the office, and that doesn't work, then the only next step would have to be surgery, right? Yes. At, at, that, at, at that point, you've tried truly everything. But, you know, the surgery, again, it's very small, so it's not something I would mm-hmm. run away from, and it's incredibly effective. And where exactly do you do the surgery? In which office? <laughs> so seriously. You mean you mean the one in the you know the procedure in the office? Well, where do you do the surgery if you do the regular surgery too? And the one in the office, yeah. The one in the office sounds very. So if enticing. I'm doing, if I'm doing the one like the what I'll call the normal surgery, I do that in an operating room. It's it's not, you know it. It's not particularly interesting or exciting. It's it's quick and easy, and you go you come in. It's a same day procedure, and uh, you know you have to get your COVID test. So you're you're like everyone else, screened for COVID. But other than that, you know it's it's kind of a normal day for you. You Get there, you go in, you have it done, and you go home. Um, yeah, it took a long time last time I, I remember I do that. Right in my office. And how long does that take? That sounds fine to me. Uh you know, it's, it's it's short. It's a short procedure. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I know that was, but it's painful. I know that you stick the needle in, right? Uh, well, we numb we we numb people first. We don't. We definitely try not to cause pain. Uh, so we give a numbing <laughs> shot, like at the dentist, and let people get numb, and and then we go do things that help them. That's the lidocaine, We want you right? to like us at not the end. The lidocaine, yeah, right? Lidocaine. Not the epinephrine. Yeah, I've, I had that before. That's okay. 
And there's no stitches or anything, is there? If you do the one in the office, not that I care. The one, the one in the office has the no stitches. No stitches. But um, the, how long does it take before your finger feels better, if it works? Uh, it has a very similar recovery to the regular surgery. So, you know, it stops triggering right then and there. Um, you know, that's part of the procedure is trying to check that it doesn't trigger as much as possible. And then, mm. uh, you know, you, you go back to using it like you said. You were typing, you said the next day, and that's the same thing that, you know, that's the same that would happen here. You type that day or the next day. But you don't have to take the same precautions between keeping your, your hand up. Is your hand bandaged or anything after this or no? There's there's no bandage because there's no real wound, but you do have to keep your hand up. Oh, that's even worse. For a couple, for a couple of days, you mean? The same thing, because any procedure is going to cause swelling, and you're really against the swelling. That's that's mm-hmm. what you're worried about. I know. I worry about a lot of things. <laughs> it does it does bother me. That's, I've noticed also that, that because I have the, the trigger finger, which I I'm going to have to speak to my middle finger. It's getting very annoying. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, does it cause any other problems in your hand besides that? Uh, well, left unchecked, it can cause lots of things. You know, if one finger isn't working, sometimes it can mm-hmm. get in the way of your other fingers, and it can make you use your hand less. It can, you can get stiffness, and that stiffness can become permanent. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. I say you really can go down a cascade of disabling or, you know, disabling hand problems, all kind of to avoid a really small procedure. No, I know. I may try the office procedure first, and then if that doesn't work, I'll worry about it. It's up to fit. I have to fit all this stuff into my schedule that is like packed with whatever thing. Um, so, what about? I know that you have the trigger finger, but when I put my, you know, hand down or something, it affects my elbow too, because I have tennis elbow. So, how, how uh, does that work? Trigger, Why does that affect it? A trigger finger would not affect your elbow. There's no way for a trigger finger to affect your elbow. So mm-hmm. if you're having an elbow symptom, it's mm-hmm. it's entirely possible you have something else, but it would never be from a trigger finger. No, I know I have tendonitis in my in my elbow, and that of course annoys my my finger. At times it tingles, right? Your pinky or something like that. Well, that now that's another problem. Um, if your pinky is tingling oh. and you're having an elbow problem you could have something called cubital tunnel syndrome. And that's something you would very much want to have, you know, worked up and addressed because that can lead to some really, really bad long-term permanent consequences. It doesn't really bother me unless, you know, I I try not to annoy annoy it too much. I know I had um, one doctor said I did have tendonitis in both elbows that I know. And at one point, one of the hand surgeons that my sister worked for before she died put some kind of um, a, a thing like a sleeve around it, like this rubber thing on my elbow, on my arm, so that I wouldn't use my arm so much, that that wouldn't hurt my arm while I was working in school and breaking up fights when I was a dean. Well, that sounds like something you do for tennis elbow, and, you know, that without Maybe. going too far afield, that – 
does not give you numbness in your in your small finger. If you have numbness in your small finger, what we worry about is you have compression of your ulnar nerve at your elbow. And like I mm-hmm. said, that can have long-term permanent consequences, and they can be bad. So my strong recommendation is if that's something that bothers you, have it seen, have it checked out. It just tingles. It doesn't get numb or anything. No, it doesn't, you know, get numb. And then it goes away. It doesn't get numb or anything. Yep, that's ever so often that I... That doesn't sound that, very that's good. That's how people it? say it starts. Yeah. It, it, it's warrant, it forever. It warrants being evaluated by a, you know, you, you should you should have that checked out by someone. That's a... Yeah, I did a long that's, time that's ago. That's a real and they thing just said someone it was, needs to see. Yeah. According to the hand sur- the surgeon back then, they just said it was tennis elbow, X-rays and all the rest of it, and I've had this for years. So obviously it doesn't well, really – can't be that bad, I don't think. Uh, that's not, not true. If if you're having – if you're still having symptoms, first of all, these things are progressive. So the last thing you would ever want to do is just say, well, it wasn't bad years ago, so you know, I'm just going to leave mm-hmm. it be. I mean, if you think about it, people could say that about cancer. You know, well, it wasn't so bad, so I left it be. And the next thing you know, it turns out bad. But, again, it's sort of the what you're weighing it against. These things should be checked out by professionals who really know. This is something a hand surgeon needs, needs to see, needs to examine you, and needs to make a judgment. And if, so you know, if... You could do that, right? If after that, of course, this is this is right in right in my wheelhouse, but this is something that needs to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really thoughtfully addressed to make sure that you're not sitting on a problem that could come back to bite you terribly. I mean, that that would be that would be tragic. Yeah, I know. I remember the first time I saw you. You must have X-rayed everything in my arm, everything. And I don't think you found anything except maybe my sugar finger or whatever. But you you did X-ray everything on that cool X-ray machine. The one that you could see the see the hand through it or something, but mm-hmm. this is well, yeah definitely I definitely I, I will definitely deal with this trigger finger thing with you because it beats surgery <laughs> to be very honest for right now. Well, if, so what else? You know, if you're a if you're a candidate for it, it's a great option. I have I have to think about that. Yeah, I have to figure out everything, put everything in my schedule. So trigger finger is, is is really not such a small thing. It's not exactly not complicated. I mean, it's a simple thing to fix, but it's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly the easiest thing either. Um, and tennis elbow, I've had that for, I've had it since I think since I stopped, since I was teaching, started to teach a million years ago, whenever that was. And I just, you know, a lot of people complain that, you know, my my finger tingles. My hairdresser has the same thing, and he says it's, it's no. They say it's no big deal, but you're saying that I need to get it rechecked again. Yeah, especially when things are tingling. That's not a good yes. thing. We get these. They're called compressions, and one of them is famous, and everyone's heard of it, and that's carpal tunnel syndrome. But there's actually a yeah. lot of compressive neuropathies, and if you leave any of them for long enough, if you imagine. Your nerve is being compressed. It's being squeezed. Mm. It, if you imagine that you're just going to leave it that way, you're going to ignore mm. it, and you're going to leave that, you know, that garden hose, if you will, sitting with a brick mm. on it. 
that's not a good situation for your nerve. And if you mm. leave it long enough, parts of that nerve are going to die. They're not going to work as mm. well. And that's not, a, that's not a good thing for nerves. You know, nerves are something you really want to make sure work well. Yeah, I don't know why the person just said, no, the, the doctor definitely that, that have diagnosed it was a neurologist. And then um, my sister worked for hand surgeons and orthopedic surgeons before she died. And they did, they did check it out. They used to give me, this was so painful, uh, a shot Your that was about... Your proximity call will automatically hang up in five minutes. No. What? Hello? Yeah, I don't know why. why all of a sudden... My time is off. This is not good. They said hmm. it's going to end in five minutes, and I said it would end at 3 o'clock. It said two hours. Hmm. It says one hour and 19 huh. minutes. According to, my, according to my clock over here, it says stream time, one minute and 19 minutes. I don't, I'm just going to ignore it. If it hangs, hangs up, what can I do? I can't do anything about it. Um, next month, Wednesday, If it hangs up, I'll forget. call you back. Well, you can't call back on the station. You have to call me back on my phone. <laughs> the station won't let me, you know, do it. Mm. So next Wednesday, uh, Marilyn Levinson will be here with Dewey Decimated, and there's a whole bunch coming afterwards, and I'm not going to waste time telling everybody about it. So if we do this again, what other topics would we like to talk about? I, I mean, within hand surgery. I want to trigger finger a lot more. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad I was able to help. Um, I think trigger, you know, hand surgery has topics that are, they don't happen to a lot of people, but they're very interesting. But I think the most important things that people, you know, people may want to hear about are things that happen and could happen to them, things that are common. So trigger finger happens mm -hmm. to lots of people. I know we've, we've spoken about carpal tunnel syndrome in the past, and that's another thing that just, it just happens to a lot yeah. of people. Um, Thumb arthritis is a very common topic. It's a very common problem. Um, that is a good one. Broken bones in the fingers. That, happen, that happens to people, and people miss them. If you can believe it, they break fingers, and they just think it's not broken. One of the things I always hear people say is, well, I could move it, so I knew it wasn't broken, and that's just not true for fingers. People can move broken fingers. Can that fingers happen with a trigger finger? Could a part of a trigger finger be broken without knowing it? No, that's, that's not really, so. you, you need to have some trauma, but you know, you'll, you'll hear someone say, well, I caught the football wrong and you know, I could move it. So it was okay. And we get an x-ray and we're like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't what you thought. I, I had a, well, I had a compound fracture in my thumb when I was a little old, a teenager and it never really, it never really got bad. It's just that my finger is deformed on top. I can tell. Um, I'm not can't win a hand contest with this thumb. At least I could use it because they had to put it, they had to put the thumb back on. <laughs> That's so a little girl got my finger caught in a car door. When I said, "Is everybody in to go play punch ball and win the win the championship?" She closed the door on my finger. That was the end of that. Oh no! Um, yeah, that we were number one in the mountains. We were number one in the Catskill Mountains. Breezy Corners was gonna win. My team of girls was the best in the entire mountains. And the camp director took them, and they lost. And I was so aggravated because I was there. And if I was there and not in the doctor's office getting whatever the heck with my thumb, I never would have had the problem. We would have won. We would have been the champs because they were that good. 
I was really good. And I, I could punch a ball better than any guy could, and I could hit a baseball too. Like, and because I didn't, I was overweight and hit home runs, I never had to run. I just walked around the bases. It was no big deal. Seriously. So this, this, well, this, this has been interesting. I'm glad it didn't hold you back. This, this is, yeah. Well, thank this you. This is really great. But I want to thank you so much. Um, everybody, um, I'll talk to you next week on Wednesday. And um, if I decide I want to do this thing in my in my finger, when is the best time to schedule anything? If I want to do it in between all my radio shows and everything else that everybody else has gotten me do, including typing my niece's term papers, helping her. <laughs> well, what I can <laughs> tell you is it doesn't really slow you down, and it's really just an office visit. So, if you uh, if you want to see if you're a candidate, by all means, come on in the office. We'll have a look. And if you, you know, obviously at your discretion, you can even tell your uh, you can tell your listeners how it how it felt, how it went, and you know, give them give them even more information from a first person's perspective. Your free proximity call too. has reached the 40 oh. minute limit. It oh. will automatically hang up in 30 seconds. Oh. Okay, I will talk to you later. Call me back on my cell phone. Bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much.